Today's very special extra edition of the BS Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network brought to you, as always, by ZipRecruiter. They are the smartest way to hire. They find people with the right skills for your job. They actively invite them to apply. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. We are also brought to you by SeatGeek, the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event, use promo code BS. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. Finally, we are brought to you by The Big Picture, The Ringer's new movie podcast, hosted by Sean Fennessy, mostly. It's his podcast that was on Channel 33. We have moved it to its own feed. It launches this week. It has interviews that Sean did with filmmakers and actors and actresses and all kinds of people in the industry. It's going to have a weekly Oscars thing from uh, probably starting next week all the way through the Oscars, Oscars watch, who's who's up in the categories, gambling advice, all kinds of things. And then it's going to be a place that we review movies as well. And if you have listened to this podcast or have missed this podcast this week, you've already done two podcasts. Cousin Sal is always Sunday nights this year. And then I did a podcast yesterday. Talked to Shea Serrano. We broke down the new Halloween movie. We talked about the upcoming and or the uh, first week of the NBA season. And then Quavo came on and we talked about um, a whole bunch of stuff, including an idea that I'm very excited about. Let's talk about that right after we get to our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, we have Hassan Minaj coming up in a little bit, an interview I taped uh, a couple weeks ago, but it's really good. We've been holding it because his new Netflix show premieres this weekend on Netflix. We're going to get to him in one second. I mentioned Quavo on the podcast. We did the transcript as well on The Ringer, and um, it was an idea that I was fired up about. He's basically could not believe that we have the Super Bowl in Atlanta and for whatever reason, they decided to have Maroon 5 as the halftime act instead of dipping into 25 years of, you know, Atlanta hip-hop, Atlanta rap, everything. And I think that scene, the, the music scene there, as he pointed out in the podcast, has a unique connection to the city that transcends even what goes on in New York or L.A., where in a lot of ways, the music culture there forms the whole culture of Atlanta. And touches it in every conceivable way. And he was just bemoaning what a missed opportunity it was. And eventually we landed on an idea that he should just form that show anyway. And then as soon as it kicks into halftime for the NFL game, either flip channels or go to somewhere on the internet. And um, all of a sudden there's the greatest Atlanta concert of all time, capturing the music and the city and everything. I, I think we might actually do this. We're, we're talking about it. It might, it might happen. We might have our own special halftime show. So details to come on that. But uh, thanks for all the feedback on that because people seemed excited about that idea. I would not rule it out. I would not rule out a special Atlanta halftime show featuring everybody, featuring three decades of uh, of artists and music and all that stuff. But anyway, if you missed that, either listen to that podcast or check out the transcript, which you ran on The Ringer. I wanted to talk, I'm in Boston. I went to game one of the World Series last night. Always a fascinating experience. It's a totally different 
everything at the World Series. It takes way longer to get in. It has a different energy. It's got weird pockets of fans of the other teams kind of spread around the field. It is absolutely packed to the gills. It takes forever to play. I think the game started maybe, I don't know, 10 after 8 East Coast time, and we were still there after midnight. And there's just a grind to it. It's freezing. It got cold. It wasn't that cold when we when we started the game. It was um it had rained a little bit earlier and then it got cold and then it was all right. And then around 10 o'clock it just dipped and it got cold. And that can go one of two ways. I remember in the 04 World Series, one of the Cardinal game, I went to both games at Fenway. One of the games was so cold it actually ruined the crowd. The crowd was just a show of itself. And last night I actually thought. And maybe it's because they have even more people crammed into Fenway now. I actually thought, uh, I thought the energy was really good, and everything led to this great moment in the eighth inning. Red Sox were up by a run. They had Baez in on the Dodgers. He gets two strikeouts in a row. There's a guy on base, and 2004 playoff era Dave Roberts takes out Baez and brings in the lefty Wood against Devers, which was weird because we were just going to immediately pinch it for Devers and put Eduardo Nunez in. And I just felt like Baez just looked unhittable. And now you're bringing in Wood, who I think had given up like 14 homers this year, but I don't know if he'd given one up to uh, a lefty yet. So that's why they brought him in, but we were clearly going to switch. So he takes Baez out. Now we have a a matchup that was potentially better and you know what happens next. Nunez cranks one. Crowd went absolutely apeshit crazy. And it was a great moment. It was clear they're going to win the game after that. Kimbrell came in in the ninth and looked good. So maybe there was something to the tipping pitches. But game two is tonight. And not, not really sure what to expect from the David Price thing. I think the Red Sox fans, it's been a love-hate relationship over the years. In a weird way, it almost feels like he's better off pitching, not in Fenway, but um, on the road. On the other hand, uh, he could win the fans back tonight by, by doing anything. And I do feel like, you know, there's a chance now to grab this series by the balls. Cause if you go up two Oh, and then you go three, four, five in LA, but man, that three, four, five is really tight. You know, all of a sudden there's so much pressure on that game three for the Dodgers. If they're down two nothing. And even if they're down 2-1, there's it's still the same. They almost have to win three and four to to stay even because you don't want to have game five be the Red Sox up three to one. So um, I, it's weird. It goes without saying you only need to win four games to win a series. But winning that game one, it just feels you just feel so much better after you win that game one. You know, you only need to get three of the next six. I am not 100% sold on this Dodgers team. I, I always judge this stuff by who am I scared of when they come to the plate? Definitely scared of Machado and the Red Sox have their own history with them, with him. Um, scared of Turner a little bit. He doesn't really have the power as much, but just is somebody who seems like he comes up with line drives when it matters. And then Bellinger obviously is, is a little scared, but that's really it. You go on through and then, and then the Kershaw thing I was watching first take this morning because I'm on East Coast time when I come out here and, and um, you know, put, and I put in ESPN. It's actually a normal time to be talking about this stuff versus the West Coast. It feels a little stale by eight o'clock in the morning, West Coast time. And they were just killing Kershaw. And I, I got to say, like, I, 
normally I don't like to overreact at all. Oh, this guy's a choke artist and all that stuff, but man, the body of work and for what they're, they're paying for and what they're counting on him. And for the fact that he is by all accounts, one of the best regular season pitchers of all time and a generational starter. It is bizarre. A, how kind of spotty he's been in the playoffs. And then B, when you're going against him, you feel like you can hit him, which is just a strange experience to, you know, like when, when the Red Sox went against Verlander in the Astros series and touched him up a little in game five, got the big homer that barely went over the wall. I was so much more scared of Verlander than I was of, uh, of Kershaw. Cause it does feel like for whatever reason, postseason baseball, things slow down. Um, everyone is scouted so meticulously, all the, it, it just, it feels like you can get to him, you know, and I'm sure the Dodger fans feel the same way about Chris sale, but uh, they should. Cause Chris sale is just not right. You know, you're watching, could feel it in the stands yesterday, watching the miles per hour, in the first inning and he's like 93, 94. And you're like, oh man, he's just not the same guy. So if the Red Sox can somehow win the world series, getting four innings from sale last round and then f- four innings of whatever else happens um, this round, I- I'd be astonished. I think the one thing that's really helped them in the postseason has been, they have the ability to bring in the starter who's two or three days away to pitch a key inning. And this has happened over and over again. And if you watch it during the regular season, which I did, obviously, and I was complaining about this the whole time, I was so nervous about the sixth, seventh, eighth innings because we just didn't have enough relievers that anyone trusted. But now you get to the playoffs and you can pitch Nathan Avaldi in the eighth and he's throwing 99 and he's comfortable. And that's just an option they did not have in the regular season. And I think they've done this now five times and each time it's it's been successful. And more importantly than that, just takes so much pressure off of everybody else. You don't have to worry about, you know, going crazy with Kimbrell and pitching somebody like Barnes or Brazier two innings. And um I, I think the biggest thing with this Red Sox team is just how many people are involved in the success of of now you have four, no, three that this is their eighth playoff win. How many different people have been involved in the success of that, which is really what you look for when, when you have a baseball team, it's not a star driven sport. It's a lot like football now where it feels like at some point success touches 16 to 19 guys on, on the team. I remember in Oh four, you go through that and it was like, every guy contributed. It was impossible to say who the hero was. Ortiz was the hero, but you know, was he more important than Derek Lowe on two, on two days rest? pitching six innings in game seven and things like that. There was 19 guys who had some sort of major impact. And I think Cora really knows this roster. Cora is the best manager. I think the Red Sox have ever had in my lifetime. He really knows the roster like over and over again, makes the right moves, has a way of keeping people involved, even when they're not going to play in the game. Like he talked last night about Nunez how he really wanted to start Devers in game one. Devers has been playing well. It didn't matter if it was lefty-lefty. He just felt good about the matchup. But he also went to Devers. I'm sorry, he went to Nunez and said, hey, man, you're not starting, but be ready. There's going to be an at-bat for you in this game. Be ready for it. And Nunez came in and did what he did. I think the biggest thing, going back to Fenway, and I hadn't been back. I, I was here last year, but it's just over and over again, especially in the World Series marveling at how much it's changed in that whole area. And um, 
you know, all the bars and the restaurants that are, it's, it's just built into this cottage cottage industry. Now I sat along like third base left field line last night. And I was actually almost, almost caught the, uh, the Benintendi double that bounced in the stands bounced one seat away from me, but crazy to just be able to walk out. I still can't get used to it compared to what the place used to be like where you can just walk out onto, uh, the old Yawkey way and just cross the street and go to like the giant pro store and things like that. And then just come back in the ballpark. Cause they shut everything off. They've done a nice job of maximizing all the territory. It still feels like it's not entirely legal. There's just so many people crammed into such a tiny place. The seats are still going in the wrong directions. Um, you know, it's still an armpit in a lot of ways, but it's a lovable armpit and they have done a really nice job of just making everything better and making everything feel modern. And while keeping kind of the, uh, the heritage and the DNA of the, of the ballpark. And, you know, I've been going, I've been going to that place since, I don't know, 1972. It was like, I think my dad was carrying me when I was like three and, uh, still get a rush seeing the wall, you know, still get a rush to seeing the park. And there's just not that many parks like that where, you walk in and it's like, oh man, it's like going to your grandparents' house or something. It hasn't really changed, even though it's changed. And when you see it kind of decked out for the World Series and the energy that's in there, it's really special. It's really, uh, it's it's really great. I think Wrigley has that. I don't think Yankee Stadium, the new one, I, I just don't feel like it's the same. Um, trying to think what else. It's really just Wrigley and 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 Fenway now that has the history combined with how cool the stadium is pack bell, whatever they call the giants place. Now that's, I think that stadium's pretty cool, but doesn't have the history. Obviously it's only 20 years. So, um, pretty cool night. I heard supposedly tonight is going to be just frigid. It's just really like insanely cold. So, uh, of course this will be the game that goes 14 innings, but people bundle up. It's weird. Cause you got hats on and, and all that stuff. And, um, the sound isn't as great because you're wearing like whatever hoodie and you got mittens on. So it's a little harder to make noise. We, the section I was in, we were torturing Manny Machado who Red Sox fans just do not like for a hundred different reasons. Easily the least favorite Red Sox opponent right now. I, I call this the A-Rod award for the uh, annual least favorite Red Sox opponent. Machado runaway winner this year. A-Rod probably won. I don't know, four or five times. The funny thing about A-Rod winning was he wanted to play with us. He was willing to give up $25 billion after the o, the o 03 season to come play with us. And it almost happened in Major League Baseball Blacktick because took a pay cut. It was really kind of a crazy, honorable, cool, competitive thing that he was doing, giving up money to play for a better team. And the Red Sox fans still tortured him for that entire decade. And it was great. And he deserved it. But um, Machado is the number one and he was doing this thing last night where he had his hand in his back pocket, which I, I put on my Instagram story where uh, to, between pitches to keep his right hand warm because his left hand was in his glove. He was putting his right hand in his pocket. So we had people in our section, say, hey man, he stopped picking your ass and just, just like torture him. And by the eighth inning, he was cold and mad and he started like kind of like, glancing over and stink eyeing us, which... Word of advice, don't do that in Boston. Just not, not good. It's like feeding filet mignon to a pit bull. 
So Manny's glancing over and stink eyeing, and it's just giving any everybody energy, and every everybody's so cold and tense from the game, and focusing it on uh, on Manny. So that was pretty funny, and I think tonight he's gonna gonna take a similar uh, whipping. Uh, I had Mookie Betts the MVP bet and um, plus seven fifty. I talked about that yesterday. Ben Intende was like twenty to twenty five to one. You knew you knew some random hitter was going to win it. It's not going to be a pitcher. So I thought it would be Betts, Ben Intende, but who knows? But I, I think I think uh, I call him Ben Intende by the way, and I take crap for it. It's part of my uh, pronunciation dyslexia. I know it's Ben Intende. But I just say, day, just bear with me. You've been with me this long. I have some pronunciation dyslexia. Uh, it's going to be a weird hitter. Maybe, you know, maybe it could be Nunez. Who knows? Maybe Nunez will hit four homers in this World Series. I don't know. Maybe it'll be somebody in the Dodgers rallying back. But um, but we'll see how it goes. It's going to be the the Dodgers. The Dodgers scene for tickets this weekend is... Between that and LeBron, I, I, I think anybody who is in the ticket business is probably really enjoying, um, really enjoying this whole, this whole run for LA sports because the Dodgers thing with all the Boston transplants that are in LA combined with all the LA people that would want to go anyway, it's it's an absolute shit show for for tickets. Which brings me to SeatGeek because. I've been using SeatGeek. They've been they've been involved going back to my last podcast. I've been using SeatGeek since forever. And what I did was SeatGeek has the color-coded charts. You can go in, you go in early, you check out the market, you check out the prices, and you sort it by deal score. And it basically says, you know, like right now they have a low this won't be there for long cuz it's got a 9.9 amazing deal, which means somebody's trying to unload the tickets. They have a loge box 115 for uh, 9.9 and 9.9 out of 10 deal score. That will not be there that long. Usually it's around six or seven, but you can check out the markets. The markets tonight, because it's going to be cold, are actually a little bit low. But then you go to game four and <laughs> the game four is is hilarious. Um, they have the green. The green is good when you go to SeatGeek. If it's dark green, that's great. Uh, the prices are are expensive. It's going to be very hard to go to these games. I went and I got tickets on SeatGeek for game two because I had to get, I'm sitting with my buddy Sully yesterday and today. Shout out to Sully. What are the odds? I have a friend from Boston named Sully. Uh, but I had to get tickets for my dad. So I got him and my Uncle Don tickets for tonight. Did that on SeatGeek. Did it game four as well because my son wants to go. So I'm taking him. And, uh, you know, you've been hearing me talk about it. It's the best app for buying and selling tickets to sport events, concerts, and more. And if you haven't joined yet, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event, use promo code BS, download the SeatGeek app, or go right to SeatGeek.com. Um, here's an interview I did with Hassan Minaj, who's great. This was his second time on the podcast. Really thoughtful. One of those guests that uh, you don't intend to get in this serious kind of life talk, big picture, intense conversation. And, and you just can't help it when you're talking to him by 25 minutes. It's You feel like you should be sipping scotch and 
sitting by some fireplace as he's yelling at you in a ski lodge. He's just, he's just really fun to talk to. I think I believe in his show. I actually think his show uh, has a chance. And we talked about like how hard it is to launch a, a show. I have personal experience from launching a show and not doing well. It is uh, one of the hardest things you can do on TV. We talked about that, the obstacles and a whole bunch of other stuff. Here it is. All right, Hassan Minaj is here, and um, it is near the end of September, and we I don't know when this is running. Yeah. So if anything weird happens in the NBA, don't get mad at us. <laughs> It'll drop, yeah. If, yeah. if LeBron, LeBron shaves his beard and it turns out he has a tattoo, like a Mike Tyson tattoo in his face. Yeah, that'd be anything. crazy. Yeah. Are you okay? You're the biggest Sacramento Kings fan I know other than Riley that works with us. I only know two Kings fans. Total? Are you okay with this LeBron Lakers thing? I mean, I'm just like, I was talking to my buddy Samir about this. I was just like, the league has changed. This is a different era from when I grew up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where I don't understand, like, every year they just change the decks of all the teams. It's, it's like Madden level of just like, hey, let me just swap around the players. Like, what if? Let's move them here and see what happens. Chris Ryan, who writes for The Ringer, was saying this week that it's like uh, the soccer transfer thing. Oh, where the guy, right. the guy just says, "Eh, I want to go here." Yeah, and then that's it. You have to trade. Yeah, nobody really says "f you." But what are the what are the players playing for now? Because the way we define like legacy and greatness, it's all changing. Do teams even matter like they did anymore? It yeah. seems like the individual now trumps the team. But like, yeah, totally. And then if you're a kid, like, how old's your son? My son's ten. So I, I remember he just roots for players. I remember being ten and getting $40 from my parents to buy a champion replica jersey. Remember the replica yeah, jerseys? Yeah, those was are back. Deal. It was $40, $45 at the time, right? Yeah. How do you do that now? Like, you could potentially buy a Kyrie jer jersey this year and be like, is this going to last? He's going to get traded. Whereas if when I bought a Sonics 40 Sean Kemp jersey, yeah, that had shelf life. You figured it, you got at least a decade out until, of it. Yeah, until he picked up cocaine. <laughs> I had, I had 10 good years with it until the coke happened. <laughs> you know uh, what I mean? Maybe the shoe companies will just release individual player jerseys and that way they work no matter what the team said. Oh, yeah, yeah. That would actually be it's good It's just idea. a Kyrie Nike number one jersey. Yeah, and, and you're just like, all right. Or whatever go. number he is now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, these are weird times. I think I've talked about this before, but I think it just ties into where the culture is now and where 20-year-olds yeah. are in general. People right. at the 20-somethings. Yeah. Tommy's generation. They... <laughs> They just, you know, they 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 play it by ear. So what? Wh I like it over there. I'm gonna go there. Yeah. I like that girl over there. I'm gonna go over there. Oh, I like it this way. I'm gonna oh, go this swipe way. culture, but for franchises. Swipe culture. Yeah. I think we're in the swipe culture. Era. Yeah. But then what lasts? That's what I'm really anything. trying to figure out. I think nothing lasts. Man, maybe that's just like. Remember, you used to listen to an album like that. I can't tell you how many times I listened to, like Notorious B.I.G. Ready to Die. Both albums. Yeah. Both side one. All the way through. Out, side two. All the way through. And now we just live in the seven track era. Playlist era. Yeah, but albums are seven tracks. People are like, oh man, did you, did you listen to the new Nas album? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Dude, <laughs> had seven... you taken like another 15 months to work on it, it would have been great. Right. But then it, it truly doesn't matter because you just have that weekend to sort of have attention. Or it's a 26 track album that has right. so many songs. <laughs> right, right, you right. Know like, this been. No, you know what? You know the one person in music that actually does have lasting power is Kendrick. I still listen to Damn. Damn is an amazing album. I think Drake has become underrated. I do think oh, there's think? some I think there's some Drake LeBron parallels. What do you I mean? I don't by think 
Because he's been really good for a long time now. Yeah. In a in a business that you're not supposed but Drake's to be won cool. A, Drake's won a lot. LeBron hasn't won a lot. True. LeBron. Well, LeBron had the four MVPs, right? So Drake yeah. has the equivalent of the four. Yeah. MVPs, but it's it's a little like the LeBron thing where for a while we we're always trying to point to somebody else who was cooler. And yeah. with Drake, it's always like Kanye and then Kendrick. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. Uh, nobody wants to admit that. Oh, he's been on the top of the charts for like. Yeah. yeah. And he, he puts out music that's massive that reaches a lot of people yeah. that's actually good. Like that's the he, hardest thing he to also, do. He also understands release schedule. So yeah. he'll put out a mixtape and an album almost every year. To yeah. be like, all right, I'll get you up. I'll, I'll get this record playing. He the waters clubs. the plant. Yeah, yeah. To be like, hey, pay attention. Okay, cool. You remember me? Cool. Then album. All right, cool. Then I'll tour the album. Oh, then, then there's another mixtape. Like he just has consistently. It's smart. Yeah. What? How does that change for comedians? Because, um, you know, people have to use social to yeah. stay in people's lives. Yeah. Some people seem like they do it better than others. My favorite Twitter follow on the planet is Jezelnik, who just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. all he does is come in with grenades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> every yeah, every yeah, tweet is like, whoa, yeah, are he, you sure you should have said that? He's napalm on Twitter. He, he's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. But not, he doesn't really promote himself. He just nah. comes in, but everybody has kind of a different strategy. And then yeah. some people are just constantly pushing. Yeah. I'm going here, I'm coming there. Hey, yeah. Toledo, I'm the coming this The touring weekend. business is crazy right now. Yeah. If you can, if you can sort of pop and get over this hump, yeah. Like if you can get over, rise above the two drink minimum and get out of the comedy club circuit and do the theater business, the theater business is crazy right now. So you're and doing actually, Carnegie, right? Yeah, I'm doing Carnegie October 18th. We had to add a second show. Seriously? Yeah, it's crazy. How many is Carnegie? Like 2,600, 20, 20, right? 2,600? 20, crazy, yeah. Good Lord. So like two years ago, I was doing 900. That was like my max in New York. And then- yeah, this is, it's nuts. The touring business is crazy now. Who do we just have on? Who's the comedian we had on where we were talking about selling out NBA arenas? Kevin Hart. Oh, Bill Burr. Oh, Burr. How he was saying how Dane Cook was. That was a huge deal at the, the time. The first right? one. Yeah. It was like, whoa, you're doing the arenas. Boston Garden? Like yeah. the whole garden? But now Sebastian Menescalco's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like MSG. It's cool. It's actually, I think it's legitimately What's the very biggest cool. venue you've played? Biggest venue I've played. You must have done like a 10,000. Yeah, I've done those those big festivals where yeah. you do an outdoor space and it'll be like, yeah, t like 10,000 people. But me personally, probably around, yeah. When I do Carnegie, it'll probably be the biggest. Oh no, when I do Chicago this upcoming weekend. Do you have to so change I'm going to do the style? Chicago Theater. We're doing, we're doing two shows. So that's 3,000 seats. Do you have to change your, your uh, persona at all? Or is it just the same thing? You pretend it's not that many people. Well, for me, I have like, <clears throat> I have the screens and stuff behind me too. So I'm doing like, sort of stand up and then I'm also sort of showing stuff behind me. Yeah. Um, I've talked to like, you know, Mulaney and those guys about it. You do have to wait for the laugh to come in. You know, like, yeah, th there's like a Skype delay on yeah. like, the punchline and then it comes back. But if you're 3000 seats or less, you can, you can keep it pretty tight. Like there's this, did you ever go to the Wilbur growing up in Boston? Yeah. So oh, the yeah. Wilbur, I think is one of the best rooms because it feels like a comedy club, but it's a theater. Yeah. But it has that intimacy where I can still deliver like this and I can hear your laughs also in real time. That's Those are the, my favorite. Like 1,600 seats or less is really good. When you get over 3,000, it gets really cavernous, I think. The delay thing's funny because that's what when I used to do PTI when we yeah. when I was in LA and like yeah. Kornheiser was in DC. Yeah. And there would be that half second delay uh -huh. where you make a joke and they 
you kind of have to wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But your instinct is to do this back and forth, yeah. but then you just kind of have to factor in the delay. Yeah. But that reminded me of that, like telling a joke and making sure it gets to the end. Yeah. Almost like the rhythm's off the whole time. Yeah, it's, it's kind of it. like surfing. You just kind of have to like, you feel it. You feel where the laughs are. You feel where the applause break is coming. And then you just kind of have to ride it into the next thing. Yeah. Since the last time you were here was spring of 17. Yeah. Um, and you had some good stuff coming. And yeah. Then you've, you're on a really nice run. Now you have a Netflix show coming. You want a Peabody? Yeah. yeah. The coolest <laughs> award to win? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like the, it's yeah. like this little. It's like a little circle. You've seen them, right? I have one. Yeah, we won one for 30 for 30. Oh, so. man. It's the one that the Don't people you, always gravitate to in my house because yeah, yeah. they're like, what is this? And <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looks yeah. like the Dos Equis guy. Yeah, and it's just, yeah. it's hilarious. Don't you feel like a hack when you're there? Because like, they'll be like, oh this person embedded themselves in Syria for eight months. Yeah. And uh, you did a really great 30 for 30 on Reggie Miller. Yeah. <laughs> That's how when we were there, it was like that. So he did a documentary about uh, Iraqi refugees that were growing right. up. And uh, <laughs> he did a really great 30 for 30 on... Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He stopped chemical poisoning in Syria. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. This guy did the two Escobars. Yeah, yeah. The uh, we were there. The, it was the same year the Good Wife won uh-huh. randomly. Yeah. So Margulis was there, or Margulis. Yeah. And uh, I was just so I was like, wow, uh-huh. we we won the same type of award that like yeah. the lady from BR won. You know? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. And it's an intimate room too. It like, is. You can actually go around. You know, how, like most award shows are just not fun. But no. that you can actually kind of like mingle and like walk around and yeah. The Emmys are weird because they have the sports Emmys, the creative arts Emmys, and then the actual Emmys. What are the creative arts The ones sports like? Emmys are the worst. Really? They are the seventh circle of hell. <laughs> it is awful. It's like four solid hours and uh-huh. blowhard speeches and uh-huh. the wrong things were in every category. And nobody and- cares? No, everyone cares. They're all oh, super competitive. Really? It's oh, like the nominees yeah. are E60, real <laughs> sports. And it's just, it's so over the top. And people are like, oh, am I going to win or am I not going to win? Really? Yeah, no, and people are getting bombed. It's The creative arts is, that night's really long. Uh-huh. That was the ones the documentaries were. And then the, the one that's on TV. Although I don't know why they did Monday night. But that was weird. It I didn't is agree weird. with that. It was really weird. I would go Saturday night over My Monday night. Also, you know, because as a performer, I'm like, let the hosts host. But really the gig is like you do a seven minute monologue and yeah. that's it. Yeah. That's why I still think this is not a popular opinion. I still think the Correspondence Dinner is the best gig in comedy. It's definitely seems like uh, you, you, you have did that most, what, two years yeah, ago. Yeah, you have the most eyeballs. Yeah. Like the world is watching and you they let you run. You can do 25 minutes. Like you really get a taste of like, all right, this this is what the person's about. Like, this is what they really think. Seven minutes isn't enough. I think, but certain people do seven minutes really well. Uh, Seth Meyers does a great seven to 10. Kimmel probably is one of the best. Yeah, he's been in those upfronts forever. He's just banged those out. Just like, all right, I know know how to like, I'll just, you know, kind of work the room and then we'll get out, you know? I like the Independent Spirit Awards is my favorite <laughs> oh, yeah, hosting yeah. thing. Oh, uh, dude, Kroll and Mulaney killed Those that. guys are great at it. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed the hell out of it, but I just yeah. like that award show. Uh-huh. It's kind of like the Mellow Stoned Oscars. Oh, yeah. It's just low-key. Yeah, yeah. People aren't that competitive. Yeah. It's got a nice vibe. Do you Everybody go to, do you go to any jokes. of these? I don't, I don't like it. Even when you're nominated? Um, yeah, if you nominated, you have to go. Otherwise, right. why would you? 
Yeah. Unless you were working in it or something. My wife likes it. Like really? Getting, yeah, like she likes getting dressed up. And it, I went it's to like the ESPYs need... for like 12 straight years and I always enjoyed that. Oh, really? Yeah, because it was just, oh, you think you I 100,000%. You know, they asked me to do the, <laughs> Jen, remember they asked, they're like, do you want to do the NBA awards? And then we were like, just scheduling, we're in pre production right now. And I was like, no, I want to, but then I also know like it is not a good crowd. Like yeah. I watched Anthony Anderson host and I was feeling for the guy. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? People are just checking Instagram stories. He's up there. He's doing like bits, physical bits. Yeah. You can hear that he had a briefcase. He opened the briefcase. The audience was so quiet. You could hear the briefcase open. You know, when you're doing physical comedy, you can hear the rustle of it's your own rough, shirt. That's man. not a good look. That is a noble effort that it should probably not happen. Yeah. The NBA award show. Because <laughs> it's like. It's so far after the season. Yeah. Like, at two months after the season, I'm not like, yeah. who do you think should have won the MVP? Like yeah. nobody cares. You've already lived through the finals and the yeah. draft. And you then think, you think the players get too sensitive though? Like I, I really think everyone's getting too sensitive about being made fun of. God, 100%. Who wants to be made fun of? Uh, well, those guys don't want to take any shit at all. But I think it's, I mean, maybe this is the older I get. If you can laugh at yourself, it's actually the most endearing quality. Right. Damn. But who laughs at themselves in the NBA? I mean, there's that one video that got posted about Dwight Howard when he got ripped on Wild Now. And that was where I was like, all right, you gotta you gotta draw the line somewhere. That was <laughs> rough. He, he got roasted bad. He really did. Yeah. Yeah. You know how like at the correspondence center, Barack would he would let you do whatever you're gonna do. Yeah. You couldn't follow him. No. He would just eviscerate. Yeah. You gotta do that. Be like, hey, I'll laugh at myself, but you gotta come. You know what I mean? The uh Jeff Frost did Blake Griffin roast battle. Oh, did you yeah. see that? No, how was it? And uh, Blake Griffin was actually good. I was yeah. impressed. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and it was a great back and forth. And then Jeff Frost did the equipment manager punch a joke. Like <laughs> he kind of kind of <laughs> came well, in yeah, off yeah. the top rope. It was great. What was what was Blake's reaction? Like was it like was it he? Like, I think he, he knew, knew it was coming, he was so he was kind of laughing. But uh -huh, uh, uh -huh. it was definitely one of those whoa. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. Um, you have to have a few haymakers. Yeah, I. I think for the most part, those guys just get a lot of adoration and have a lot of people in their life who are in charge of just uh -huh. pumping them up. And then on social, it's either they're either gods or people are mad at them. And yeah, I don't know. They're just kind of in the whirlpool. Yeah, Curry, I think, out of all of them, has the best sense of humor slash um, slash uh, attitude. I would say about it. Yeah, he's he's like the he'll he's, do bits and stuff. I Curry? think he's the most normal of all those guys. Like, and I mean normal just in the sense of like church or whatever. What do you think? I could just see him like yeah. running a bank. Yeah, yeah. or yeah, yeah. or um, yeah, yeah. I don't he'd know. Be, he'd be like the he'd be like the best, the coolest manager at Wells Fargo. Like, yeah. Hey man, hey man, you want to open up a card? Like, or he'd yeah, be cool. like a major D at a, at Medeo. I get you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just got that kind of. I could see him doing a bunch of different things. Whereas yeah. some of these other guys, I think it's tough when you're really tall too. What do you mean? Like when you're like Durant, like Durant's like legit seven feet. Right. There's nowhere for that dude to hide at any point in his life. He stands out all the time, no matter yeah. where he is, what he's doing. I think that Blog Boys interview you guys did was, that was up there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that was up there in terms of, yeah, it was very fascinating. Yeah, it's weird. People want athletes to be more honest. And then when they're more honest, they get mad at the honesty. So I, I don't even know There's how you no way to win with an athlete. LeBron's done the best chance. He's done the best version of it because he doesn't do a lot. And when he does a lot, it, he sounds super profound. But then if you're listening to the stuff he's saying, he he doesn't really yeah. say that much, but it sounds yeah. It sounds like he's like, whoa, LeBron's really, the barbershop show. He's really unleashing. And then you listen to it. And, it, and you're like, what's he? 
and it's yeah. like, yeah, you know, people need role models. No, I think <laughs> I think John won MVP for the barbershop show, wouldn't you say? Because he can speak in sound bites. Oh, That's Stuart the skill was set. great. Yeah, like I'm talking about from cold open. Yeah. Hey, John, do you come to barbershops a lot? Only to collect rent. Like he can speak in comedic sound bites. And people don't know this television, what, we, what you consume as you swipe through the world. It is a visual medium. You have yeah. to speak not in coffee, but in espresso. You got to boil things down to their essence. I would argue he was, he was the, probably the most overqualified person you could have had in that. John, but Barbara no, Sharp but because he, he, he can be a guest, he can be a host, like that guy. But he also had a lot to lose. Think about it. He doesn't visually fit. <laughs> Again, it's a visual medium. Yeah, he's like Candace Parker, Draymond Green, right? Then a five foot eight Jewish dude from Jersey. So you want to be on that show, Tommy? I want to be on that, that show. I, to, I told Tommy, I, I just got to get my weight up a little bit here. My IMDb Pro has to go. Well, up a Gerard bit. came and did a whole Hamilton. I mean, thing. Gerard, Gerard. Oh, that was actually a really funny joke. That was actually a really great take too. Yeah. I like it. The Hamilton, I've been waiting for the Hamilton backlash takes to happen. <laughs> yeah, and now yeah, they're yeah. finally uh, yeah. happening. Just wait till the movie. I, you know, the movie's going to happen at some point. Yeah. They're, they're doing it in the Heights right now. But I like, but yeah, that's not one other thing. So the Netflix thing. Yeah. You have a show now. Yeah. You're going to do how many? Like, what is it? Once a week? It's, yeah. It was a big order. 32 episodes. 32 episodes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Half hour. However much time we want. Does you got to give me advice, man. You, oh, you, man, you are a lot of advice. Yeah? Give it um, to me, man. Well, you my know, advice is you have to be a comedian to do those shows, which you are. So yeah. that's good. You got to perform, right? Like you have you to- You got to perform. Yeah. Mine was more meant to be more just an interview show. Like and what you realize is that podcasts are just better for that format than yeah. I think- uh, I fully agree. Um, the act three variety show to me is so stupid. Yeah. You want to you, you see- why would I watch Bill Simmons be interviewed by Hasan Minhaj for seven minutes? I'd rather listen to it. Yeah. I'd rather listen to it how for are you 50 ever, minutes. How are you ever going to compete with Joe Rogan smoking weed with Elon Musk for three hours? Right. You're, I'm never, there's nothing I can do. Well, unfortunately, you didn't tell me this in 2015. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think- Can I Monday morning quarterback? Yeah, I absolutely. I think the, I think the thing that you, you should have done, when, like that one episode that I watched with Durant, Nas, yeah. and you, just let that run. I bet there was so much good stuff that was left on the cutting room floor. We had to cut floor. out 20 minutes of it. I know you had to cut out 20 minutes of it. It should have, what we should have done with that show is it should have been once a month and it should have been an hour yeah. and just all big guests. And that's yeah. kind of the model that HBO can really promote too. I think right. that would have had the best chance. Right. But that's the thing. I'm glad we tried it. No, We great. had some fun stuff on it. But the thing is like, and you know, you know this because you're about to do it. It can go wrong in so many ways yeah. and it can, you know, only a few of them hit Pop, and yeah, go right. Yeah. And you look at the actual batting average of talk shows slash shows, whatever, yeah. and it's one out of every 12, yeah, one out of every 10, something like that. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think it sounds like, tell, no the, pressure. tell the audience you're, you're, what you're doing with this though, because I actually think this is going to work. So, so the show's called Patriot Act with Hasan Minhaj and it's, it's sort of like a weekly comedy investigative show. Um, if you saw the special with like me and the screens and all that stuff, we sort of put that sort of comedy narrative story storytelling style on steroids. So yeah. I'm standing there and every week I'll do one investigative report. That's sort of our stake. And then I'll, I'll have sort of a line pairing with that. Just an act too. Yeah. Some, some weeks are just going to be one act, Patriot act, one act. It'll be like, Hey, we researched this for six months. Yeah. This is our take on this particular issue. And I play maestro to the graphics and the field pieces. I come in and out. So if you've ever listened to like Radio Lab, it's sort of 
TED Talk meets comedy investigative report meets yeah. political satire show, but it's just me. <clears throat> I really sort of stripped down all the other elements that sort of variety show has where it's like, oh, you need a guest. Like, oh, no, we don't need a guest. Oh, but you should do sketch. I'm like, I'm not doing sketch. Like, I'm Tommy's seen it. I, I just sort of story tell one specific story and come in and out of all of the graphics and the data. And it's kind of evergreen, right? So somebody could watch one two years later. It has and it like be... of the now. Right. But then it, the shelf life of it is like, hey, this is in federal court right now, but it's going to the Supreme Court. Or, hey, this is what I think is currently wrong with the NBA. And you'll just see sort of trend lines that'll be like, yeah, he's right. Because I, I think Netflix has been a hard nut to crack with. Super hard. Talk shows. And I think the way you're thinking, I think, is the right way to think. It's got to yeah. be stuff that feels like it's attached to now, but I could also watch it five months from now when yeah. I watch 10 in a row. Yeah, if you want to watch, you know, a, a, a thing on, you know, legalization of whatever, marijuana or whatever, you're like, man, it's going to still be a thing. Or the census report coming up in the 2020 elections. You're like, yeah, that's a thing. Gerrymandering is a thing, you know? How many, um, how many writers and all that do you have? You must it's have. actually more news team, man. Our news team is, is like, yeah. So it's like, we have eight to 10 new senior news team members, like hardcore journalists from, you know, Vice, New York Times, opposition research reporting, like nerds, like hardcore, like, hey, we, we found this report. You need to talk about this. And then we have like six comedy writers. To me, like the big, the biggest thing is, do you have a piece of information that you don't know? Right. Like, what are you provide? What are you giving me that I don't know? That's what I felt was so great about your book. Like, Deep give, dives. give, yeah, give me something I don't know. Where you're like, did you know Bernard King averaged da 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 in the first twelve minutes of <laughs> right. action? You're like, no one knows this. Yeah. And then you also paired it with a take. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah. So, so it starts in. October and then it's 32 straight weeks. We're not doing 32 straight weeks. We're, we're going to follow like sort of a similar programming schedule that your weeklies have where you're on for eight to 10. You take some time off. Got it. You reload. It's just, it's, it's so graphics heavy. It's a show. Like as I'm going through a headline, you know, we have like over 168 graphics cues per act. It's Jesus. nuts. Yeah. You know how like when you would, when you would do an act one, you would go to camera one, you'd have an over the shoulder. And be like, and that's why LeBron looks funny in a hat. And then it's a Photoshop of like yeah. LeBron. This is like when I'm telling you, like, so I went to the Cato Institute. You'll see the report scrolling through behind me. Stuff is highlighting. It's like a full on interactive show. And we didn't even mention the big wrinkle. You're naked during this I'm whole show. I'm butt naked the whole time. It's that's going to be weird. Nobody's yeah, done and, that. And we're shooting in 4K, which is like kind of crazy, you know. <laughs> Here's in 190 joke. countries and <laughs> it's going to be a lot of exposure. So no guests. Why? Unless, I'm with you. And, I support and, and it. Unless there's someone who who services the act itself. Yeah. So there's some guests that we have on deck, but it's like they service the act. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm not just going to be like, and now from Jane the Virgin, <laughs> you know, she's here to promote her show. I always make fun of Kimmo about that. That after all these years, it's still like. Now you know her from Manifest on NBC. Yeah, Here she is. Yeah. And it's just, I was like, come on. Yeah. How is this still the format in 2019? But the thing is, they're they're grinding out four that's hours a, a week. That's a it's whole nother hard. beast. Yeah. Sometimes it's five hours a week. It's really hard. Yeah. Um, and but, especially like you have to appeal to the audience that's there. That's a I, lot of tourists. Yeah. But I firmly believe like this is just the advantage I have. I, I feel like the variety show itself. Minus the lasting institutions you have, your Starbucks and your McDonald's, basically your, you know, your Kimmel's and your Cones yeah. and blah, blah, blah. But even there, they're starting to pivot. I think that people go to sh these shows 
for highly specialized experiences. Like Seth Meyers' show, I think, he loves doing a closer look. I think yeah. that's his favorite thing. It Absolutely. should just be called a closer look with Seth Meyers, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like the show should be that. Like Oliver's show, I think he loves doing the deep dive. And so to me, I'm like, let this show, number one, play to my strengths. And then number two, not be swimming upstream against what Netflix is trying to do. Like the medium is the message. So yeah. make the show for Netflix. Another thing too is like, I think people haven't taken advantage with Netflix is the white space. It truly is a global platform. It's one of the few things that speaks to everybody around the world. When they have that I just, algorithm I just, too. Yeah, and I, I just don't think they've had a talent that can sort of speak to both of those things. So we're choosing headlines on purpose to be yeah. like, no, nobody's going to talk about Brazil here in America. They're going to be like, ah, how's that going to connect to, you know what I mean? That's smart. Yeah, and they also, they have, they get all the data for yeah. where people are watching when the yeah. Netflix algorithm is both powerful and amazing, but can also I, a little bit creepy. Terrifying, yeah. Can I tell you you see it like with the horror movies and the team movies they do, and it's like clear that they've, yeah. when they know something works, they're just, all right, let's make let's seven do, more Let's do more of these, yeah. The only thing that scares me is that people go to Netflix to like escape reality. Yeah. And like my show's pretty- Pretense. Fucking real. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's, there's jokes, but it's like, hey, this is, these are real things that are happening in the world. That's a variable that's out of my control. I can't control that. Do you know what I mean? Of like, what if people think it's too smart or whatever? But just I want it to be, you just want it to be really good. Yeah. And then it'll take care of itself. Yeah. That's what Jim tells me all the time too. Yeah. He's just like, just make it great. Quality wins. I mean, yeah. the thing is with, with the the show I had, it wasn't, it wasn't good enough. And it's like, now I go back and I'm like, oh, I could have, I wish I had done this, that, but in the moment I didn't and it wasn't good enough. But and did you, before you press publish, did you feel like it was good enough or in your gut you i don't you don't you once you're too into it you can't tell anymore i don't think yeah. i think once you're too deep it yeah. was saying the worst part of that happened with uh my book which luckily actually did turn out to be good but basketball um, yeah but it's like there hits a point where you're the only you know it's 700 pages and there's all these different yeah. puzzle pieces and it's like i can't even see this anymore who was who's your counsel for the book for everything the uh book was I basically didn't have one. I remember in your forward, you're like, this is like gallons and gallons of coffee, Adderall, and just my sheer passion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I, by the way, like that was one of my favorite things. Like, I, I don't think people understand. It's like, yeah, sometimes as a creative, you just have to black the fuck out and you have to do that. It, it was rough. Um, but I have my co-creator of the show, this guy Prashant, he really is like my, he's my text winter. He's the guy who's like, all right, man. It's really important. It's really important, man. I'm yeah. very lucky. That's like a variable that I... People don't talk about enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Someone kind of to be like, you know, you, you have to have a Brennan Chappelle thing. You just have to have an offensive coordinator to be like, look, man, this is this is insanity or this is this is the one. Yeah, it's funny. We we have that. We didn't get there with the TV show, but we have that at the uh, the ringer. This is one of the reasons I thought it would work. Like I had the inner circle that I knew it was like the right inner circle. To be like, all right, we can make this. Here's what we can do. And I also have all these people that I trusted to help yeah. with it. And honestly, it's- How did you find those people? Just organically. Grayland, the first four anyway. But that was killer what you did there. Like cultivating like this sort of minor league to major league system of like, okay. 
Yeah, it did say it's harder now than it was like the Grantland. There were so many good writers that were available. People were just bad at looking for writers in 2010 and 11. And now yeah. people are better at it. I think Twitter helps. Yeah. I think, you know, if there's a good piece now, you'll see it on Twitter or you'll get forwarded to you. Yeah. Wasn't really the case as much last decade. So there were just people that were good that were just kind of waiting for the right team to go to. Now right. it's a little bit harder. It's the same things with comedy where. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of shows that are like that, that are sort of in that vein. And yeah. Can, that can be kind of fall through the cracks. And you can find that sort of, oh, this, this writer has a blue check on Twitter. They're really funny, blah, blah, blah. blah. I just keep thinking about that. Where's the white space? I, yeah. I keep trying to pick stories that are sort of bespoke to me. Do you know what I mean? That it's just like, nobody's going to touch it. They're, they're either too old. Sorry. I mean, part of them, they're too white. They're too like, they're not, they're, they're not going to want it. There's, it's, this is tricky territory. You know what I mean? When you get into sort of like the race and this and international politics. and well, it's uh, funny. Like there's so many too, tricky too territories now. Yeah. This is probably the best time to do this show. If, if you can pull it off, if you can yeah. wield the saber, lightsaber properly. Yes. Cause I think a lot of the comics get caught up because it's just like, yo, are you a Padawan or a Jedi? Yeah. Cause to engage in this warfare, you need to be a Jedi. But now with Twitter, everyone's like, I got to take. Yeah. Let me <laughs> tag, let me tag in. And it's like, I don't think you should. That's why I stay quiet a lot on Twitter because it's like I'm not ready for, I'm not ready for warfare, in this way. Have you noticed there's like there's beef rappers and there's studio album rappers. Like yeah, Kanye isn't a beef rapper; he's a studio album rapper. That's my thing too. I, I'm a studio album comedian. I'm not a Twitter beef comedian. I'm not good at that. So I, I try to I try to just trying to think who's a good Twitter beef comedian. Hmm. I mean, there's people that definitely get caught up in they get caught up whatever in the outrage society topic of the day is. Yeah, and then like a blog post will come out, then they'll respond to the blog post and they'll do their thing, you know? You know, yeah. they they feed off of that energy. That's like part of the brand or persona. I would say 2018 has the most landmines we've had with just commenting and yeah. doing comedy and being a public person and yeah. especially like the the sexual politics that have been going on and yeah. all, the me too all that stuff yeah people rethinking the boundaries of not only the way we would behave now but things that happened 25 30 40 years yeah. ago it's so tough to talk about it's and, but i think i think the thing is we just gotta everyone has to i try to look at it positively you just have to elevate your game yeah do you know what i mean you know it's just like well, i was thinking about it more like as from a comedian standpoint right the role of the comedian yeah. Dating back to sure, fucking sure, sure, medieval sure. times is like, sure. all right, now this guy's going to come in. He's going to lighten the mood a little bit right. and make you think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it's in 2018. I'm not sure how, you, how some of this stuff is like can't be lightened. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, I mean, it's just like politics has gotten so ridiculous that it's like you can't out satirize that. No. I don't you know what I mean. I don't know it's how really it's even so the is going to do Trump start. again. Like I, I, what are we parroting? I, yeah. Um, but that's why I like sports because sports is so definitively, I hate the Patriots. Not, I don't hate the Patriots, yeah. but like the Patriots lost the Lions last night. Yeah. People just hate the Patriots. Yeah. And it was like, they, you know, everyone bands together. Like, yeah, they lost. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like LeBron goes to the yeah. Lakers. That's this big moment you can share yeah. with all these people. And, and it's the one thing, look, sports and, and art movies, right? But these movies two, are more polarizing. No, now. but there's the two things that we can argue about. I can yeah. be like, man, you're an idiot. You think Back to the Future is a good movie? You're an idiot. 
Right. And be like, hey, you want to go get a drink? But religion and politics, oh my God. And like, music. People argue about music. Oh, yeah. And they take it personally. I would say religion and politics are the two where it's like- Well, religion and hey, politics too worse. Yeah. But music somewhere probably between these sports movies. Right. But hey, people take music really personally. Yeah. Not as personally as politics and religion. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I would say religion is the last rail. Politics is probably next. Yeah. I don't know what's I wonder if thing. Carlin was alive, how he'd handle all this. I think but he'd you know handle what? it like Chappelle did. You, I think Chappelle did those Netflix specials. And he quadrupled like, down on his yeah, position. Yeah, I'm going to cross some lines. Fuck you. Yeah. Like he really was fired but, up about but it. But you know, Carlin actually, because he was such a a written guy. Like this is one of the best things I learned. Um, what, what I heard about George Carlin, he would have three running documents. One would just be free writing. The second would be like what would then become the workshopping act. That's the second document. And then the third would be like, even though he's an atheist, like his version of the Old Testament. Yeah. Like this is going into the special. It's like, hello, please sit down, sit down, period. It was like transcribed what the special is. Sort of three running documents. So since he was such a man of the pen in like writing, rewriting, fixing, when he would put out a special, I think in 2018, if he was still alive, it would have gotten all the checks of yeah. like, okay, I, I cross-checked this. Like, you know what I mean? Argumentatively. I, the thing that it seems like we're missing now is just that person who's willing to go against the grain oh, yeah, in a yeah. way that makes you think and just kind of makes you reconsider like, oh, yeah. all right, I never thought of it that way. You don't and, think we have that right now? No, we like do have it. the Bill Burrs and all those guys? I was talking about from a George Carlin standpoint. Oh, okay. Like somebody who really comes in guns blazing, which Chappelle, um, the more comedy he does, yeah. it's it's got to be somebody who's like an icon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, but also has the weight. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know. I mean, even like, uh, I think it's weird because Louis caught up in this, obviously, but Louis was that guy for a few years, sure. you know, who sure. was like, I'll say it. Yeah. I'll talk about it. I'll I go think, there. I, I think what's cool is I think there is like, there is this vacuum that, not vacuum, but there is this opening that I think my class. For your generation. My yeah, generation. I 100% agree. Like, you know, I think Mulaney has definitely broken out to be He's that voice. Took the took that spot. That almost. mantle, yeah. yeah. But I think that my era, we're all in our thirties to like, you know, now forties, it'll be like there's gonna be a, a guy or gal who sort it's of It's a takes little like NBA. Yeah. It's it's like when uh not to compare any of these guys now to to Jordan, but like yeah. when Jordan left and then all these next guys were yeah. there, but they weren't quite the guys yet. Yeah. And it was like, all right, now we have Malone and Barkley and Green yeah, Hill. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like, okay. You know how, like, for me in NBA, around year five or year six, you can kind of tell, yeah. all right, this person's going to be a star. So, like, Giannis, Devin Booker, these guys, to me, I'm like, no, they're going to be the real deal. They got the skill set. They have all that stuff. Now it's like, are you going to put your foot on the gas? In comedy, I would say between years 10 and 20, yeah, that's when you really start to separate yeah, and be like, all right, what are you really about? You can talk, You can start taking big swings. And sort of you hit these big inflection points. So, who else is in your class? Me, Gerard, uh, Michael Che, Michelle Wolf, uh, Ryan Hamilton. Um, like that's sort of like my sort of like era generation. You know, it really is like basketball. Yeah, yeah. And now, like a lot of us, we're breaking off and doing our solo things. We're leaving. You know, when Barkley left the Sixers, we're going to the Suns. You know what I mean? We're just like, all right, let's see what you can do. And now it's like, can you break off and have an MVP year? Yeah. All those guys are a little bit older than me. Like Oliver. These Those guys are in their, you know, Seth. They're older. You know? 
So I'll be interested to I'm see excited. what happens to late night shows next year or next decade. Cause I think you can make a case. This is the last batch of the old school late night hosts. Yeah. I and think Kimmel's probably going to step down in like a year, year and a half. You think I do. What's he going to do? I just think he's doesn't want to do this for 30 years. Right. 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 Um, I think and, Jimmy does. I mean, Fallon, I think Fallon wants to do it for ever. I don't think he would know what else to do. I think I think it would be right, really right. tough for him to reset. That's such a grind to do it daily. Again, I, I'm a guy like I really have to think about, all right, if I'm going to say something, I got to just, I need time to gestate and ruminate on it and be like, all right, this is the take, you know? Right. I can't do it daily. I just can't. Yeah, I don't know. So like if Jimmy told them, I'm out, I'm out in February 2020 or whatever, I don't yeah. even know how, who they would replace him with or what direction they would go. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I think, I, I just can't imagine they would replace him with a white male. I think that you would think? be like, I just, it would just be so boring at that. Like, come on, take a chance. Really? You think? Give somebody the yeah. opportunity, you know? I, can't, I honestly can't predict it. I can't predict it. I'm, I'm excited to see. I'm nervous. We're, we're in the eye, you know, I'm in the eye of the storm. I'm, I'm nervous to see how the choices that I, I make are going to translate or not translate. Well, the reality is the next decade, instead of late night shows, it might be a bunch of different shows like your show. Centered around like a, yeah, just a theme eight, or nine, 10 shows that yeah. you can get on demand and yeah. the whole concept. Because nobody like Kyle's generation, Kyle's 25. Are you 25? Yeah. 24. Close enough. 24. Kyle, who do you turn to? He doesn't watch do things on, he doesn't TV? watch things on time. No, but who do you watch to, to get some understanding on the insanity that is the world? Oliver? If I watch Oliver? No, no. Um, Reddit? Maybe Vice. I don't know. Vice? Maybe Vice. No, he, HBO, but he watches all the stand-up specials, though. Oh, yeah, if we're counting that. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You'll watch every, just everything on Netflix? Yeah. I watch the stand-ups on Netflix. That's really the main reason I, I got Netflix. Are you a stand-up? No. Are you serious? I appreciate all that He's shit, He's just though. my nephew. <laughs> no, he his generation is on demand, so yeah. they don't think about, like, oh, it's 1130, SNL is coming on. Like, no. they don't even think in the concept no, no, of no. channel Life is time. a stream. Yeah. Life is a stream. It's like, what's next? Yeah, oh, yeah. oh, he has a new special? Yeah. So that's why I do feel like Netflix is going to crack it at the whole concept of on-demand yeah. comedy. It's going to be think, I think about everything like, like Samara, I grew up with all these guys. Like, he's one of my friends I grew up with in Sacramento. I yeah. think about all, all my friends. I think about their lives. I think about their commute to work. Yeah. I think about the white headphones on BART when they're on the train. How can I give you a piece of content with the least sort of barrier of resistance to make sense of stuff. That's why when you would drop an article, it would make its rounds around WhatsApp groups. Yeah. Because you've, you've condensed something into 15 minutes about like why Kobe Bryant isn't that great. And we'd all be like, well, he's blatantly wrong and he's biased, but okay. But now that thing you, would be five minutes. Correct. I, no, I ignored hey, your bias. Uh, hey, Oliver, Oliver's proved, proved that otherwise. He can do no, I'm 20. talking about the, the writing thing. Like, sure. I, I think if I had- Oh, it's gotten pared down. Because yeah, part of the concept of when I wrote my column, like in the- late 90s, early 2000s was like, I grew up reading these giant, awesome yeah, long yeah. pieces. And it's yeah, like, yeah. I want your attention for 15 minutes. Yeah. Now it's really hard to get anybody's, and everyone's reading on the phone. Yeah. It's not fun to read anything on your phone for 15 minutes. That's true. So I think you would have to reconstruct how long that is. But I, I still feel like the video and the platform of like the stuff you're doing. Is so you think the way I'm performing with all the crazy stuff happening behind me, Yeah, that actually would play too. Yeah, because I, I keep thinking, you know, like sometimes I'll be in the writers' room. They'll be like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Just put your white headphones on." 
like be at work. Imagine your boss walking by, control tab. Okay, now I'm gonna, like, I'm watching. You know how people at work don't do work? You know, when you go to the ringer and they're, you're all like, are you writing your thing? And they have another tab open and they're watching other stuff. Oh, yeah. I and think they're doing that and other things. Yeah. So I'm like, how do you make that compelling or interesting for that, for that commute in or commute out? That's like a big I used thing. to get in trouble with the page two and then the 0102. Yeah. And it had the big yellow background with, the, and I used to get these emails from uh -huh. these people begging not to have the yellow background because it was so obvious when they're reading page two. <laughs> Hilarious. So then they That's had- That's smart though that you put it in yellow. Well, then they had this whole printout mm -hmm. page. It was like a print page. If you yeah. press that link, yeah, it turned white. So yeah. a lot of people would read the print pages. Yeah. But, but I, th I think- Now what, they would just read on, my, on their phones. I think what you did though- which I actually take as like an inspiration, you became a brand identity around, and don't take this the wrong way. Yeah. I, I call them hoopers. Yeah. A lot of us who just <laughs> love sports, we're 24-hour fitness weekend warriors. We have yeah. jobs and we, we, we try to, we have like, but we watch sports and pop culture obsessively. We, we couldn't do it professionally, but it's like our love and our passion. You became a representation of that. That was a white space you filled. Who, who else do you True. think is in that weight class? Well, who's, at that time, there wasn't anybody. That's but who is was, now? Like, who is the equivalent of that? I don't know. I, I think you it's all spread because out. Because Peter Vesey is not a hooper. Peter Vesey is like a, you know, he's a journalist, but he's yeah. not what you and the, that brand represents. To me, like what I want to do on Patriot Act is represent that sort of identity. There's a lot of people in America who look like me. Yeah. Who've either been spoken to or spoken for. That just like American politics is told to them via Stephen. Stephen Colbert's, I love Stephen. Stephen is an OG Daily Show alumni, so am I, but. His experience and his identity as an American and his analysis of international politics is very different from mine. Yeah. The way he looks at drone strikes is very different from the way I look at drone strikes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or immigration reform or a lot of these, the Kaepernick issue. So well, we should talk about that. If I can, if I can tap into that, I think that could be a new thing. Yeah. And I think we're starting to see that in politics with the Ocasio-Cortez's and a lot of the stuff of like, oh, this is what a both... American and international identity can look like. You can be both of these things. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, diversity of opinion, I think we really felt it two years ago. Yeah. And when I think people all had their own uh, perception of how things were going. Yeah, yeah. And then it was like this news flash. Like, You're like nah. nobody thinks Trump's going to win. And then yeah, yeah. you kind of realize that there's all these states yeah. in America. There's 50. Mm -hmm. They're all different. I remember it was before Trump when I realized this. Yeah. It was so random. It was like the mid 2000s. Yeah. And I was on a plane and they were running the Jay Leno show. It was like one of the early times with TV where they would just. <laughs> You're on a jet. Everyone's we're watching, watching the we're on a same jet show. Blue flight. It wasn't even Jay. It was, uh, it, was, it was like United or something. But right. it was like yeah. when they would just run content for you on the TVs, you didn't even get the control. Uh -huh. And they ran the Jay Leno show. And two thirds of the people on the plane were like laughing. And I, I was like, look around, like, what the fuck is going on? Why yeah, are all these people yeah. laughing at the yeah. Jay Leto show? And it was like this epiphany. I was like, ah, it's a big country. Okay. Right. Because right, we had right. connected like through Chicago or something. Yeah. 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 Ah, all right. Yeah. I get it. Dude, I love doing that, by the way. When I travel, yeah. I love walking around the airport and just like looking at the way people like watch stuff on their iPads, what they're watching. You know, when you do the walk oh, back and yeah. use the bathroom? So somebody's <laughs> always watching some. R-rated something that yeah, they shouldn't be watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, two people going to town on their laptop and they're, <laughs> they're like turning it. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But then you're like, that many people watch Law & Order SVU. Okay, it's good to know. Like, you know what I mean? You yeah. Just, you realize that a lot of people watch The Ranch. You're like, all right, that's a thing. The Ranch. Yeah. It's a huge country. There's yeah. 250 million people in it. Yeah, totally. Um, 
But yeah, what do you think about the cap? A lot of people have Netflix though. I'll tell you that much. Netflix, yeah. Everyone under twenty five has it. Yeah. If they ever just said we're charging twenty dollars a month this month, I think they could probably get it. Totally. Why are you even from Kyle? Because I would pay that shit. That's why. How much would you pay for Netflix? What were you watching? What's your limit? Last night? Yeah, what'd you watch last night? What did I watch last night? The Pats oh, I game watched, with me. I did. Yeah, that was last, last night. Last night was a bad because we did Pats game and then we did uh, a podcast after. Yeah, I watched the new episode of Shameless and went to bed. Okay. I was, I Pats game, podcast, Insecure. <laughs> That's your show? I like, well, I just like Insecure because it brings me in this whole world that I'm not part yeah. of. Yeah. I, I watch I just the, go in, it's like Issa and her friends. And yeah, they, yeah. It's I like, I don't two. know any people I like was, that. I remember I saw season two and I was just like, there's just a lot of fucking. Yeah, it really is. fucking, man. It's a lot of sex. She got dark in the one last time. Yeah. Like she got, just get a little stocky. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk Kaepernick. Yeah. Kaepernick Nike. Man. All right. So this I'm is not happening right it. now. Yeah. What's your move on, on your show? How do you handle it on I, your show? I'm actually... I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not mad at it. I really am not. You know, when people are just like, well, you know, hey, you know, Nike, they also have, they have all these problematic practices. I'm like, look, you, you can do two things at once. Yeah. Like duality is a thing. I know we're living in an age where like nuance is not a thing, but you can do something that is good and also do something that is bad. That doesn't preclude you from, you know, not doing something that's bad. But I remember actually, this is like, this is a really cool story. So last year, um, you know, I'm, I'm, friends with sort of the the j cole dreamville camp right so yeah. cole had this this uh this concert in new york and um they they invited us out i went with trayvon actually yeah so we go and we go backstage after the show and it's me trayvon kaepernick nessa and cole and we hang out till like four o'clock in the morning and we just stayed up all night talking yeah it's almost like five o'clock actually when we got home and I realized I, he was actually still with Nike at the time we were talking. I was like, hey, you're like, you're not, you know, he was in sort of the midst of like the, all the Baltimore stuff was happening and yeah. just a lot of stuff was going on, but Nike didn't release him from the contract. And uh, I just remember thinking, I'm like, that's actually kind of like a cool move by Nike. I don't know what the financials of it come out to, but the fact that they weren't sort of casting him away. Yeah. You know, that actually kind of was kind of cool to me. And look, the fact that they timed it out, that's still a bet, right? Like that, they still took a chance. They still swung. We're like, all right, our 30th anniversary, we're going we're gonna to make Colin the face of it. You know the way it is working with executives. It was pretty bossy. It could have backfired. I was surprised they did it. It, yeah. it was a bigger risk than usually those companies. And now people are like, well, they, they, they gained you know, $6 billion in market share. Look, you're Monday morning quarterbacking. Yeah. There's been times how many blog posts would have been written had it backfired and been like, you idiots, you should have never done this. You know the way the country is. It's too divisive, blah, 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 blah. So I give them credit that, hey, they took a chance. They actually, the stance that they took was on the right side of history, I think. And it panned out. They're paying him. How else is he supposed to make money? Good. The whole point of an I'm ad. I'm not mad at it. The whole point of an ad is to raise awareness for a sponsor. Okay. In a way that doesn't disgrace the sponsor in some way. But, but that was it, like a great ad. It got but, people talking yeah. about Nike for a week. Like but, just fundamentally it worked. But philosophically, do you disagree with me? Is it possible to do something positive and also make money? Are those two, do those, both of those things have to be antithetical to one another? Let's take a break and talk from our sponsors. <laughs> we'll be back after this. Um, uh, MeUndies.com. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. That's the yeah. last year. That's like, that, they don't have to be. I think what we're missing in 2018 is people are complicated and life is complicated. Yes. Nothing's perfect. And yeah. 
people make mistakes and Dude, I'm nobody da- says the right thing 100% of the time and you got to have some leeway. Yeah, I mean, look, at my Dallas show, like we did a thing where like people, people could register to vote in the lobby. But some people might be like, well, you're making money off of, I'm like, no, I'm trying to do something good. And yeah. yes, I made money. Okay. Like, sorry. Sorry, I, I wasn't 100% of what you wanted yeah, me to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, I'm only 96%. Yeah, but, my I, bad. But, but we're all trying to do the best we can given sort of the finite amount of time that we have and the resources that we have. So I'm not mad at it, man. People's expectations of other people have never been higher. Yeah. It's I, unbelievable. I, I have this whole thing. I'm just like, look, you, you, you're looking for other people to be your hero. You just need to call your dad. Yeah, it's <laughs> like just, we need to nip all this. This hero worship needs to stop. Just seriously. call your dad or your mom and try to fix whatever is going Nobody's on. Nobody's like, fucking perfect. Yeah, but like it's like nobody's gonna bat a thousand. Nobody's gonna make every right decision. Yeah, I think the the Twitter mob mentality we have now. If somebody fucks up, says the wrong thing, yeah, gives some interview where they didn't phrase thing correctly, um, wrote some piece that they didn't think out correctly, it, it doesn't doesn't mean you should just get taken to the woodshed for 48 hours yeah, you know but I, I, you that's know what, the part i, I, I don't think like. i think i think hopefully is that there's going to be enough pieces of content that we all put out there that the the vast majority will see that like they can see your intonations your inflections and your intentions i hope so do you know what i mean be like ah, you know hassan when he said that thing about you should call your dad he didn't mean to like make fun of people who maybe don't have a father figure in their life he's what he was trying to say is just try to fix what you have internally in your own. You know what I mean? Talk. But to that's going to be a take for somebody. You know, I, uh, I mean, not everyone has a dad, Hassan. I know, but it's just like you just you. What you're doing is is reductive. Not, is your non-dad shaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's just like my my whole thing. I know this sounds my my other take to that is just like, look me in. The, come on, I know that's not a take, but it's like, come on, like you know what I was trying to do. Please look at the overall arc but I, I know i know it's that's not a thing i think the most important people in everybody's life right now are the uh the grandparents and the old people <laughs> because yes. they're, they're just they don't understand this whole world yeah yeah. and yeah. they still have crazy takes and they yeah. make dinner more fun and right, right. you just leave dinner you're like wow i can't right. believe my mom made that comment about yeah. so and so mm-hmm. um but it's just old yeah. people unfortunately an old people one of the old people is our president but Amazing. Uh, it's incredible. In general, we give old people more leeway because they're sure. old. Sure. It's like the Seinfeld. Define show. old. How's, how old is old? I would say like over 70. That's you know, amazing. It's just a tiny bit it's more. It's amazing leeway. that so many people in power are over 70. That, yeah. that call all the in shots. 80. It's There's nuts. Supreme Court justices that 80. are like 80 plus. Yeah. And then if you look at the way like your own parents engage with the internet, you're like, what? Yeah. And then this person gets to determine like, legislation on a woman's body yeah yeah like you're just like this my is mom nuts. is like 71 and couldn't figure out how to get amazon on her smart tv for like a year and a half right right and we had to keep coming and then if you're just and- like if you're like mrs simmons what should we do about net neutrality <laughs> she'd be like alexa what <laughs> no net neutrality mom mrs simmons net neutrality what's what's your take on well, it? old people also focus on the three or four whatever TV shows or personalities yeah. or whatever and yeah. get a lot of their takes from them. Yeah. Like my, like Bill Maher you means an ordinary amount to my mom's life. And she means a takes, lot. Yeah, he, she he means loves Bill Maher and it's like, yeah. I can't wait for Mars take on Kaepernick. You know, old people really like me too though. It's yeah, pretty cool. That's good. It's pretty cool. They're like, you're very, you know, they go, you're very, uh, you have a lot of moxie. They go, we like A lot of moxie? Yeah, <laughs> it's just stuff like that. Like, you're adorable. You're, you're very passionate. You're adorable and you have strong takes. Yeah. yeah. Keep it up. Yeah. 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 So the show comes out what day? October 28th, Sunday. We're a Sunday show. 
Sunday show. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Sunday's like a Sunday morning or? You know, there's no time. So I think that the thing we're going to operate in is that Sunday, Monday, Tuesday window. How I many, like that spot. How many shows before you go full heat check and do a Kings episode? Dude, I, one of the big things I want to do is I want to do a big sports one. There's one that I have, I'll say off off, off this, but okay. that, that I think is really exciting. Can That's we hear your very, thoughts on the Kings? Because last time you came on, you talked so about- So Bagley, Bagley was a safe choice. He was a safe choice. Is that what we're calling bad now, safe? Well, it's it's that it's you're not going to get- It's like when we drafted, what's his name, who won Rookie of the Year? Uh, uh, who we ended up trading away to New Orleans. Uh, Tyreek? Tyreek. He won yeah. Rookie of the Year. He was a safe choice. He averaged like, you know, like- 18 or 19. Should have taken Luca. Could save the franchise. You really think Luca's going to pan out? I do. Even when Dirk I saw level? pictures of him at Media Day and he looked a little doughy, I didn't waver. Did okay. I judge the photos for a while? Yes. Yeah, I did. I totally judged he looked, the photos. He looked, his arms looked a little flabby. Yeah, he looked bit. like he looked like the guys I play with that 24 He tennis. looked like he had kind of a, not a gut, but the makings of a gut. Not a gut. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. It's like, what were you doing all summer? Yeah. Lonzo looked heavy too in the media day today. Yeah, when he was benching the two the two 45 plates, I was like, what's going on? And he's arching his back. You can't lift the way I lift with my friends. You're a professional <laughs> athlete. Right. You know what I mean? You know, like when you're with your friends and you're like, put on another 25 and you're like arching your back and you're looking all weird. Like that's the way we look. You're, you know what I mean? I think Lonzo's probably breaking down because- He's probably had so many people in his life be either like, what's up with LeBron and what's up with your dad? Those oh, are the two yeah, questions yeah. he gets. Oh, because he has like, no identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has no identity. Like, yeah, yeah. name your three favorite it's facts like, it's about like, Lonzo. It's like being like in basketball Jackson 5. It's you're all right. about what the dad is, wants you to do. And you're just yeah, like, he's hey, basically you know, Tito. Yeah, he's like, you know, he's really talented. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's just constantly, what's up with LeBron, mate? You talk to LeBron? Yeah. No. Yeah. What's up with your dad? Yeah. Hey, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Yo, how is Shams Charania the most powerful man in basketball right now? How is he breaking all this news? I don't he's, like, he's like 25, He's like 25 years old. He kind of looks like my cousin. And yeah, he's it doesn't break, like you guys could be like second He's breaking cousins. every major news story. If we ever, if we ever filmed a Shams, like yeah, fake documentary. Get Shams on the, I got to meet Shams. He's the, always in a suit. He's I'm like a superhero, of, yeah, reporter but, superhero. But everybody's just, every, but every professional athlete, they're like, you want me to give you my social security number? Sure thing. Like he'll give them, where are you getting this? Just this is, wait. He's these are Watergate even, level, like breaking news in the sports world. Yeah, just world, wait till he hits his mid thirties. Oh, he's going to be, yeah, yeah. 10 more years of experience. That's going to be breakaway numbers season. And yeah, sure. All that stuff. Well, it was good seeing you. Congrats on your show. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, man. 32 episodes. 32, man. Yeah. God. Let's, let's do it. All right. I'll send you at least one idea for season two. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks to Hassan. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to SeatGeek, the best app for buying and selling tickets for sporting events, concerts, and more. For $20 after your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event, use promo code BS. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. We're back on Friday with the fourth podcast of the week. Don't forget to subscribe to The Big Picture with Sean Fennessy. Go Red Sox. Talk to you soon.